Marcus Rashford, England football superstar, and he also plays, I think, for one of those smaller Manchester football teams. I'm going to get in terrible trouble for saying that. I better move on. But this is not about football. I don't know if you've seen the news over the past couple of weeks, but Marcus Rashford started a campaign to try and get the government to perform a U-turn over school meal vouchers for the summer holidays, which were going to run out and leave lots of children who normally receive free school meals without food over the summer. And literally, within days, the government did a U-turn and they are now going to be getting those vouchers. My grandma on my mum's side of the family was a superintendent at a place called Stockport Sunday School. It still exists to this day. But prior to 1870, Stockport Sunday School used to educate 3,000 children from mill owners, from people who worked in the mills, to people who lived in the slums in Stockport. And from 1784 to 1870, the Christians who set up that Sunday school were the only people in Stockport providing education for people who couldn't have otherwise afforded it. What links these two things? Well, it's that both Marcus Rashford and Stockport Sunday School saw beyond themselves to the needs of others and had compassion. And this word compassion, it's a word that could be used to describe so much of Jesus's ministry, looking to others, reaching out with the good news. The four different gospel writers, as they write their their biographies of the life of Jesus, they all come to it with a slightly different angle, if you like. So if you read Matthew, Matthew is very concerned with writing to a Jewish audience and trying to persuade people that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament. If you read John's Gospel, John is very much the theologian. He's the person who will will write that beautiful language at the beginning of John 1. And then you get to Luke's Gospel. And Luke is different again. What Luke tries to do is to try and remind us that the Gospel is good news to the poor, to the marginalised. And even before the start of Jesus' ministry in Luke chapter 4, at the nativity scenes, who is it who comes to visit Jesus? Well, it's not the Magi with their gifts. No, it's the shepherds the poor, the outcast, those who are living on the margins of society. And in then the next chapters, we see about the ministry of John the Baptist. Again, somebody ministering at the edges of society. And so we hear the words that Nigel read to us just a few moments ago. Jesus, already a teacher, already a rabbi, comes into the synagogue in Nazareth. He gets the scroll of Isaiah and he finds a place where it is written. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. So we're going to look at this word, compassion, what Jesus said about compassion. But what does it mean here? Who are these poor? Who are the the prisoners? Who are these blind people? Well, I think there's a risk here for us as 21st century Christians that we can trip up quite easily over this passage. You know, I've preached on this passage many times before. And one of the reasons is it's such a pivotal moment because it is the start of Jesus's ministry. And it's where Jesus, in a sense, sets out the kingdom manifesto. This is what Jesus is about, if you if you like. This is what Jesus's ministry will entail. Because at the end, he says, this is fulfilled today in your hearing. And because we're followers of Jesus, we then carry on that same ministry. But we can read this passage and think, well, okay. so when we're talking about good news to the poor, well, that's the spiritually poor, those people who perhaps don't know Jesus. And then we also say, well, it's the physically poor, those who don't have food, those who need care. 
And then we could talk about the blind and we could say, well, it's about the spiritually blind, those who can't see God, those who need to have their eyes opened to the revelation of Jesus. And then about the physically blind, those who Jesus ministered to, those who Jesus brought healing to. And then we can do the same with prisoners. And we can go on about talking about how as Christians we need to be both and type of people. People who care for the spiritual but also care for the physical. And then we can underline it all and say, and this is all spirit-filled ministry. It's ministry that is anointed by the Spirit of God. I don't know if you've noticed the problem as I've just talked through those verses. The temptation is, is to put a divide right down the middle of Isaiah 61 and then apply it to Jesus. And we say, this is spiritual stuff and this is physical stuff. But you see, the thing is, Jesus never goes there. He doesn't do that. What he does, and we see this worked out through his ministry, is he just sees broken human beings in need of compassion. And he simply reaches out in compassion to people and calls us to follow him. And calls us to enact the same things. He treats every woman, every man, every Gentile, every Jew, every Roman, every Samaritan as a person worthy of compassion, as a person precious in God's sight. Each person is needing sins forgiven. Every person is being deserving of dignity, of love and of care. And so the gospel that Jesus preaches is a gospel to the whole person. It's a gospel of compassion. We see it again in Matthew chapter 9. The words will appear on the screen. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them. Sometimes as Christians, we can find ourselves, I don't know if you ever do this, bemoaning the fact that the church seems to have got sidelined in society. And I think some, in some ways, lockdown has sort of re-emphasised this. I don't know if you've noticed how we've been lumped together with the hospitality sector in terms of when we got locked down and when the lockdown will start to be eased as well. So things like pubs and restaurants and bars, you know, the social add-ons of life. And the government has, in effect, put us with that group of um, sort of organisations and, and businesses. And then we see what the church does across the UK. And we might just think of our own church for a moment. We think about the food bank collections. We think about running toddlers groups. We think about young people's work, caring for the elderly and the vulnerable. And then we magnify that thousands of times over the UK. And we see that Christians are actually plugged into all kinds of ministries that reveal compassion to people. But actually the perception, rightly or wrongly, is often that the church is a fringe thing, is a social add-on to life. Perhaps it was relevant in 1784 when Stockport Sunday School was founded. Perhaps it was relevant in 1850 when 3,000 kids were being educated. But is it relevant now? Is it relevant now? And then we read Jesus' kingdom manifesto, Jesus' vision for his own ministry, and the spirit-filled vision for the church, for each of us to be people who have this gospel of compassion. People who see each and every human made in the image of God, in need of saving grace, in need of a saviour, in need of love and dignity, both in this life and in the life that is to come. Hebrews 1 verse 3, it says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. 
And what the writer of the Hebrews wants us to know is that Jesus is God. He, he radiates God to us so we can understand the character of God. And so we too are called to radiate Christ as Christians so that people can understand what God is like, to radiate the compassion of God into our world. If you were joining with us last week, you, you will remember that Sarah was taking us through the final part of the book of Jonah. And in that chapter, we have this complaint of Jonah. And Jonah starts to complain about God's character. And this is from Jonah 4, verse 2. He says, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. And actually what we find is that Jonah wanted God to have a different character. Jonah wanted a God who would collude with his prejudice and racism. Jonah wanted a God who would be exceptionalist and judgmental above being merciful and compassionate. I wonder sometimes, do we actually want a different way of following Jesus than we find in Luke chapter 4? Because Luke chapter 4 is a revolutionary passage. As Jesus says, today this is fulfilled in your hearing, he's talking about a life where we care for whole people, for their needs as broken human beings, of spirit-led behaviour, of compassion, of, of that desire, that compelling to share the good news of the cross and the resurrection. Mentioned a few moments ago how sometimes as Christians we, we can bemoan the, the sidelining of the church. And I've, I've sort of been reflecting this week a little bit as to, as to why has this happened? Why as Christians have we got sidelined in society? And the, the issues there are, are complex and detailed and we've not got time to go into them this morning. But I sometimes wonder whether as Christians we can actually collude with the sidelining. We can actually find that being sidelined is actually quite a comfortable place to be. Because closeted away in our church buildings, it's very easy to, to spend all our time developing, if you like, the spiritual, the, 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 the Christian subculture and the concerns of the bubble, if you like. And it can take so much of our energy just to keep our churches going that actually to reach out with compassion to a broken and lost world can become something that actually is sidelined. I was thinking, I wonder how if we could take our sort of 21st century Western church and allow those leaders of the early church of the first, second and third centuries who were living under the threat of Roman persecution, I wonder whether they would find our way of being church rather bizarre and rather alien to Luke chapter 4. Or I wonder if bringing it slightly closer to home, I wonder if we could take some of the people from persecuted churches around the world at the moment and allow them to speak into our life as church. Would they say that actually as Christians we are alarmingly complacent and actually self-centred at times? You see, it's easier, isn't it? Well, I find it easier to separate out spiritual things, and we call it church things, and physical things, and to try and deal with them apart rather than put them together. It's much easier to ask questions of life in the bubble rather than it is to ask searching questions about what the gospel should compel us to do. You know, thinking about my own life, and I don't know, you might have your own examples, but it's far easier for me to spend time being concerned about the type of songs we sing in church than it is about why there are school children going hungry and what, as a Christian, the love of Christ compels me to do about it. It's far easier for me to get all concerned about how we open up our church building as lockdown eases, rather than grappling with how, as a Christian, I can bring the love of Christ to those whose addictions have been made worse during lockdown. 
It's far more straightforward for me to discuss interpretations of the end times than it is to actually grapple with those scriptures that say that people without Christ, without the good news of the gospel, face that lost eternity. In effect, it's far easier to put the dividing line in and opt to live in the spiritual bubble. This passage has always challenged me. I don't know if you find it a challenging one. And I think the challenge for me is that actually if I brutally shine the spotlight into my own heart, I am not that radically changed by Luke chapter 4. I don't know whether I've quite grasped this yet. I don't know whether you have. But I think here's the challenge for us this morning. We have what is probably once in a lifetime, if not once in five centuries, opportunity to reset how we think about gospel ministry in the church. Do we want to go back to normal? Do we want to go back to how we did things? There was an interesting article just this morning, actually, on the BBC News website that said only 13% of people who've been working from home actually want to go back to how things were. There is a desire and a realisation that things can be different right across society. But what about us as Christians? See, part of the challenge over these coming weeks and months is to start asking those kind of deep questions. And asking the Lord to help us to ask even the right questions. What will the new normal for us be? If the new normal consists of, well, we've changed the time of the church meeting. Or we've added this or we've stopped doing that. Then I think we've actually missed the point. How, moving forward, can we embrace this full gospel of compassion? How can we make sure as followers of Jesus, that we actually care about the things that God cares about rather than the things that I care about? How can we make sure that we reach outwardly and not just have those concerns about the Christian bubble? This isn't about a program change. It's not about the church putting on lots of new things. But it's about a heart change. It's asking the question about, biblically, on what premise do we do the things that we do? It's about seeking a heart change, a culture change from the Lord. And most of all, it's not something we do on our own. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, says Jesus. You know, Jesus, the son of God, the the second person of the Trinity, if he needs the empowering of God's spirit to do his ministry, how much more do we need the empowering of the Holy Spirit to equip us to carry on that ministry? So I want to ask you a very simple question this morning. Will you pray that the Holy Spirit will anoint us to be Luke chapter 4 people? Will you pray for that heart change that we may reach out with compassion to whole people, to people as they are, to see the needs around us and to see how that is met with gospel hope, both for this life and for the life to come? Will we seek to find a normal that actually reflects God's heart, not our own desires? So if that is you this morning... There's going to be a prayer appearing on the screen just in a moment. It's only a simple prayer, but can I encourage us to pray this together? And let's seek the Lord for that heart change, that Holy Spirit anointed way of ministering from compassion. So let's pray. And if you want to join in with the prayer on the screen. Lord, we pray that your word may grow deep roots in our hearts. May your Holy Spirit empower, equip and transform us. May our ministries in our own lives and as a church family become those that reflect your purposes. May our lives be lived for your glory, for the sake 
of Jesus. Amen. Amen.